Actually, God did take me down an interesting path to get me into youth ministry. Uh, when I went to Lincoln Christian College after my first year, I got involved with a, uh, a youth group, and things really took off from there. But I kept coming back to this famous passage known as the Great Commission. And in a few minutes, I'll read the full commission for you. But the first two words of that commission is, therefore, go. And those two words have challenged me ever since then. And I like to think I've been going ever since. Uh, It wasn't too long ago that Jim actually preached on this great commission a little bit. uh, But I think something as important as this is worth more discussion, for sure. You know, as a youth minister, one of the challenges I have is not just for the here and now, but also... Uh, the future of kids, uh, making sure that their futures are bright when it comes to their walk with God. Uh, a question that often gets asked is, you know, where do you see yourself five years from now? Or where do you see yourself in 10 years? Uh, the question, though, that I wanted to raise this morning is, where do you see yourself 100 years from now? And it's kind of a weird question, because unless there's some kind of miracle potion out there eventually, uh, we're all going to be gone 100 years from now. And if you really think about it, will anyone even know that you existed 100 years from now? Uh, We may have some relatives that see pictures of us and things like that, but that's probably as far as it goes. I mean, realistically, people probably won't even know who you were or what your name was. Now, I don't say that this morning to make anyone feel discouraged or insignificant, but I bring that up because I don't believe that Jesus is too concerned with how we may or may not affect people hundreds of years from now. I think he's concerned with the life that he has given us. Our time here is short. It's very precious. And for whatever reason, in all of history, he's chosen for us to live in this time and in this place. And he's called us to go for him in this time and in this place. Now, the full passage of the Great Commission is in Matthew 28. And it says, Therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now to get things rolling this morning, I want to share a couple different stories about two different boys growing up. And we're going to see in these stories that in one of them, uh, people took the Great Commission to heart. And in the other one, they didn't. Uh, The first story is about a boy named Brian. Uh, Brian was an outcast when he was growing up. He tried to get involved in a lot of different things, but everything that he did, people treated him like he didn't belong. And that includes his youth group. He was part of his youth group. He kept going back, hoping things would change, and they never did. Eventually, he quit going to church altogether, and things turned for the worst in his life. You may be surprised uh, to find out who Brian is today. If we could pull that picture up, please. Today, Brian is known as Marilyn Manson. Now, if you don't know much about Marilyn Manson, I'm going to give you some facts about him. He quotes himself as the man who is trying to end Christianity. The shooters of Columbine High School were influenced by his music to do what they did. Many suicide notes have been linked to his name. He is a Satan worshiper, and he brings on many kids to follow the same path. His music speaks of ruining the church and how fake Christians are. And the list could go on and on about a man that was once known as Brian who attended his youth group. Now I'm going to tell you the story of another boy named Kevin. Kevin grew up in a small town. Most of his family members uh, were not Christian. 
Uh, every once in a while, his mom would drag him to church, but he didn't like going. He wasn't a believer. There was two things that Kevin loved to do. He loved to make music, and he loved to play basketball. One summer, he was invited to a basketball camp, and it was there that somebody changed his life. See, there was a, a guy there that took the Great Commission to heart, and before the campers would go to sleep every night, he would get his Bible out, and he would talk to Kevin and the other campers about Jesus in a very real way, and he would share what Jesus has done in his life, and it was through that relationship that Kevin started to think, maybe this whole God thing is real. You may also be surprised to find out who Kevin is today, if we could pull that picture up. Today, Kevin is known as Christian artist sensation Toby Mac. If you don't know much about Toby Mac, I'll share some facts about him as well. He started a band in the early 90s known as DC Talk, which is widely recognized as the most popular Christian band of all time. Uh, over the years with that band and also into a solo career, Toby Mac has been nominated for four Grammy Awards. He has sold millions of records. He tours the world to sell out crowds every night, and he continues to use his music and his ministry to go for Jesus. So we see two examples, two different boys going in two completely different directions, all because of how the Christians around them treated them. Marilyn Manson grew to hate Christians, and we see in the other story the actions of one man changed the world. There's a, a verse, or excuse me, a lyric that just came up on the screen from Casting Crowns that says, Jesus paid much too high a price for us to pick and choose who should come. And unfortunately, I think there's a lot of stories today that are more similar to the first one that I shared. And unfortunately, I still think that a lot of Christians pick and choose who we want to be a part of our church or who we want to be a part of the kingdom of God. And that's just not right, uh, unfortunately. But if we truly believe that our time here is short and it's precious for God, and if we truly believe in this great commission, then let's let the second story I shared be of encouragement to us. Because yes, we are... Uh, very temporary beings, and our time is very short, but yes, we can also move mountains for Jesus if we simply go for him. I think we need to be willing uh, to do what Christ asked us to do. One of my favorite uh, Bible stories is when Jesus is walking along and a man with leprosy kneels before him, and he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus says, I am willing, reaches out his hand, and the man is healed. Now, I love that story because we can see the compassion of Jesus and the healing power of Jesus. But a question I want to ask this morning is, what if in that moment Jesus wasn't willing? I mean, we know he was a busy guy. What if that moment he thought, I've got too many other things going on today. I just don't have time. Maybe I'll catch up with you later. I just can't do it. Imagine the impact that it would have had. And as I was reading that passage, it really struck me. You know, it's the same thing with us as Christians. Because I'm telling you, if the sick and the hurting, and the poor, and the lost people of this world see that we are not willing to serve them and to, to speak to them about God, then they're not going to believe Jesus is willing either. So that's when it falls on us. And even though our, our lives are busy, we've got a million things going on, uh, we need to get our priorities straight and really ask, why am I really here? What's my purpose? There was a, a man in the Old Testament who at first was not willing to go for God. I think you might know him. His name is Moses. Uh, at first, he was saying, God, I can't go for you. I, I can't speak. I've never been good at this. I can't do it. And if you remember God's response, he said, I made your mouth. I know you can do it. He said, who makes mouths? Don't tell me you can't speak for me when I made your mouth. And I think God wants to tell us that same message at times. 
Maybe some of you have been a little bit like Moses before. I know I have. Uh, sometimes we make up excuses as to why we don't tell others about Christ. In fact, only 1% of Christians claim that they have the gift of evangelism. Well, the problem with that stat is the Bible doesn't teach that evangelism is a gift. It teaches that it is a command, something that you're supposed to do. And um, I've learned that the evangelism is not something you do, it's something that you are. And I think Moses ended up doing a thing or two for the kingdom when he finally realized that God was calling him. A famous preacher and author, Rick Warren, once said, it is not called the great suggestion, it's called the great commission. For those of us that feel afraid that we may not have the words to say, the Bible says the Spirit's going to speak through us. And if we're ever afraid of what others might think of us, Jesus says, just as they have mocked me, they will mock you. But you must not be afraid. Another question I wanted to raise this morning is what does it actually mean to go for Jesus? I mean, does it mean that you should go on a mission trip? Does it mean you should tell others about Christ, your coworkers? Does it mean you should sell all your things and go live in a foreign country? You know, God may call you to those things, absolutely. But going for Jesus Christ should be something that's a part of our everyday life. Uh, Mother Teresa was someone that had such a wonderful attitude about this great commission. At one point in life, she was asked, why have you given your life to the people of Calcutta? And her response was, I haven't. I've given my life to Jesus. It just so happens I see his face on the people of Calcutta. Another time, uh, someone asked, how can we serve like you? And she said, find your Calcutta. And then lastly, someone asked her, how can we change the world? And Mother Teresa said, one at a time. So I share these examples of Mother Teresa because they're excellent reminders that wherever you live, whatever you do, we need to see the face of Jesus on everyone. We need to find our Calcutta, which could be right here in Indianapolis at your job. Could be, you know, you're called to Africa or somewhere else. Whatever it is, we need to see the face of Jesus on everyone. And as she said, though we can't change the whole world, we can start one person at a time and one day at a time. Uh, one of the quotes I've always liked is one that says, always preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. So this quote's obviously about actions speak louder than words. I definitely believe they can. However, Jesus also calls us to boldly use our mouths to speak for him. And he calls everyone to do so. Another quote I like is, if you only lead by example, you're not a very good leader. We've got to have actions and words. I also believe we need to have a sense of urgency about our faith because our time here is short. And by saying that, I don't mean that we should make signs and go around yelling, repent, the end is near. Oh my gosh, you're going to burn if you don't come to Jesus. That's not what I mean. What I mean is using our time and our resources more wisely. And, you know, I don't think we should treat this commission like we're righteous and other people are sinners. Because I want to tell you, I'm just a beggar trying to tell other beggars where to get some bread. Can I get amen on that? Always wanted to do that. <laughs> and think about this. If you knew that your friend uh, was about to die in a car wreck because they weren't wearing their seatbelt, you would try to persuade them to put the seatbelt on. If you knew your family member was going to drown in the coming weeks, you'd try to learn CPR so you can give them a chance to live. I mean, when we look at things from the perspective that we're here for 100 years or less and heaven is for eternity, then I think we'll have a better sense of urgency about this faith and this commission. C.S. Lewis once said, 
The people who did most for this life were the ones who thought the most about the next life. Uh, Many of you know uh, from announcements recently that I just had an opportunity to volunteer and work for the traveling production known as the 99. And it was an amazing experience. But I have a confession. Uh, When the 99 was coming and I was looking over the volunteer positions, there was one position that I wanted to stay away from. Ironically, it was called the ministry room. And I'll tell you why. Obviously, I have no problem ministering. I do it for a living. But this room seemed incredibly intimidating and scary. Main reason, 80% of the people that go through the 99 are unchurched. So when I'd never seen the 99 before, when it was coming, I thought, man, are these people going to be mad at me for talking about Jesus when they didn't think I was going to? They're going to yell at me. Is it going to be awkward? What's the deal? And very few people were signing up for the ministry room, and I just thought, that's the only position I want to stay away from. Sure enough, you know how God works. Uh, I asked them what they need me to do, and they said, Tyler, we really need you in the ministry room. And those two little words, therefore go, came in my mind. And i got to tell you, it ended up being one of the most rewarding experiences of my entire life. I got to literally speak to thousands of people about Christ. It blew my mind, just like theirs. And in case you haven't heard this number yet, as a result of the 99 here in our city, 2,446 people gave their lives to Christ for the first time. It is truly an amazing thing. And, you know, there's many things that we can do for God that come easy to us, that come naturally to us. But when we really step out of our box and take a leap of faith and really let God use us, that's when he's going to be most revealed in our life. Unfortunately, I think many of us miss what God wants us to do. The thing is, there's more than one part to this Great Commission. It says, you know, baptizing people and and preaching the good news and all of that stuff, but it doesn't end there. I think too many people are just concerned about, you know, let's get people to to believe in Jesus, let's get them baptized, and that's it. That's all we got to do. But the problem is, that's not where the work ends. You know, if salvation was the only thing that Jesus was concerned about, then he would rip us right out of this place as soon as we were baptized. Fact is, we're still here after we get baptized. We have work to do. Serving the poor, caring for God's children, uh, doing all these things, evangelizing to the lost, those are all a part of this great commission. I want you guys to check out the screen. Uh, There was an interview done several years ago with Bono. Uh, He was asked some questions about serving the poor, also about the One Campaign, and Uh, We have a clip from some of that interview. And it makes huge demands of us. And really what it's talking about is equality. And that equality can be annoying, you know, because it was like, okay, well then, okay, we accept that you are the Jews, but not the blacks or not women. And now we say, okay, if you're Jewish, if you're black, if you're women, if you're Catholic, if you're, okay, you're equal, but not if you're over there. Now, if you're over there or equal before God's way, we now have to serve you. Oh, how annoying. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. Why have we amount to all this wealth and power if we can't go to the aid of our sisters and brothers? Maybe that's the mark of our generation. And, and if the Christian church can lead that movement that can eradicate malaria within 10 years, absolutely doable, not even that expensive that can 
um, uh, defeat a preventable, tre treatable disease like AIDS? By education, yes. By uh, prevention, yes. But when people are uh, infected by this virus, and remember, the single biggest group of people who, uh, who are newly infected are women and children, you, you asked, was there a moment for me? And I think there have been many moments. But one of them was a friend of mine uh, is a, a very wise man, somebody I've grown up with, and uh, he just said to me, he said, stop asking God to bless what you're doing, Bono. He said, find out what God is doing, because it's already blessed. And for what, for you, what was that? And that's this work. And um, we, we can be the instrument of God's grace. But it's not simply about charity, though charity is very important. It's going to be difficult things like justice, as I always mention, Isaiah 58. And this generation could be remembered as the generation that put an end to what I call stupid poverty. There'll always be poverty, but the really stupid poverty where kids are dying for lack of foods in their, in their, food in their belly in the 21st century. We, can, we really can fix that. And we can't fix every problem, but the ones we can, we must. I read somewhere that when you say the Lord's Prayer, there's one phrase that really grips you. Which one is it? Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, is the, is the phrase that I use. And why? Why does that one grab you? Because a lot of people are happy with pie in the sky when they die. But I don't think that is what um, is our purpose. Our purpose is to bring heaven to earth in, in the micro as well as the macro. In every detail um, of our lives, we should be trying to bring heaven to earth. So Bono raises some great points here. He also was quoted as saying earlier in the interview, love thy neighbor is a command. You cannot call yourself a Christian if you think the bad in this world is not your problem. And we've got to be focused, as he said, on bringing heaven here. And we've got to be focused on serving the poor and evangelizing to the lost. Speaking of uh, Compassion International, the founder of Compassion once said that the opposite of poverty is not wealth. The opposite of poverty is enough. And if you think about it, this is a lonely world that we live in. Maybe one of our goals every day should, to, would be to leave someone else a little bit less alone and a little bit more loved by God. Anybody that knows me knows I'm a big sports fan. A big surprise here. Uh, Going to share some sports analogies as I close today. A couple sports stories for you. Uh, first one has to do with my favorite baseball team, of course. And uh, a couple years ago, I was with a group of kids on a trip, and we were in St. Louis. And uh, I went to a baseball game at the end of it, and it was between the Cardinals and the Red Sox. And I'm a Cubs fan. Cubs and the Cardinals are big rivals, one of the biggest rivalries in sports. And, uh, but you know me, being a big Cub fan, I was wearing all my Cubs stuff to the game. And I was getting some weird, dirty looks from people. Uh, seventh inning stretch came along. And I yelled, root, root, root for the Cubbies as loud as I possibly could. And this is a true story. A fan behind me rolled up a program and hit me in the head with it. <laughs> and I'm thankful that it was a program and nothing else. 
But uh, I remember the kids, when this was all over, they asked me, they said, why did you do this to yourself? I mean, it'd be different if the Cubs were actually playing here today, but they weren't. So why did you get embarrassed like that? You know, what's the, what's the point of putting yourself through that? And my response to them was, I don't care if I'm the only one in this entire stadium that loves the Cubs, I'm going to stand up for them. And then I remember thinking, it sure would be nice if people would say that about Jesus once in a while. Where if we're the only one in our entire workplace or the only one in our entire school, only one in our entire city sometimes it feels like that loves Jesus, will we love him enough to serve his people and to go for him? Last story I'd like to share, also sports related. Some of you may remember it. Uh, it was in the news a couple years ago, I believe. There was a college softball game going on, and it was the last game of the season. And one of the players, her lifelong uh, goal, I guess you could say, was to hit a home run in a collegiate softball game. She was a senior. This was her last chance, last game. She stepped up to the plate, and she hit a home run, hit it over the fence. That's the good news. Bad news is, as she was approaching first base and she saw the ball go over the fence, she jumped in the air and came down and tore her ACL. And she couldn't move. She was in pain, obviously. Now, a couple things you need to know, a couple rules. Number one, if you don't literally touch all the bases, it doesn't count as a home run. Number two, if your teammates touch you, you're out. So here's where the amazing thing happened. Two girls on the opposing team went up to the umpire and said, can we carry her around the bases? And he said, sure. So they, you know, two girls on the opposite team risk losing the last game of the season because they saw someone in need, someone that they could serve. So they pick her up, they touch her feet gently on each base all the way around, and her lifelong goal and dream was accomplished of hitting a home run in a college softball game. It's an amazing story and uh, reminds me of how we should be as Christians. Uh, will we be the ones that step up and serve others, even when it may be inconvenient for us? Or when we see someone in need, will we be the ones that do the right thing? Because there's a lot of people in this world that have a very uh, rough road ahead of them, a very rough path to get to Christ and to get to heaven. And in the story, this girl got her home run because others served her. If we as Christ followers, go for him and follow this great commission, other people may get Jesus and they may get heaven. We're going to sing a song as we enter our life offering. And maybe some of you in your life have not taken the great commission to heart. Maybe today is the day you want that to happen. Maybe you want to accept Christ in your life for the first time. Maybe you just need prayer. Whatever it is, we invite you to come forward when we sing together. So I invite you to stand and sing. Thank